Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Acts chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is a great verse. The Bible says this, But you will receive power. Someone say power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This is Jesus speaking. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. In verse 9, and when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up on a cloud, uh, and, and, and a cloud took him out of their sights. As they were looking on, they saw the ascension of Jesus. Can you go back to verse 1, 8? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what you need to know. You are empowered by God. You are empowered with the Spirit, and you're empowered for witness. You're empowered by God, you're empowered with the Spirit, and you are empowered for witness. If you are faithful to follow Jesus, you will be empowered by His Spirit, and your witness will have an ever-widening impact on this earth. I think the problem that we face, I think this is the problem the church is facing, I think it's the problem that Christians face, The problem that we face is that we try and do, or that we are tempted to try and do Christianity without the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. And all that leads to is dead religion, moralism, spiritualism. These these are the people that Paul says they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power. And, and, And we have whole denominations, whole churches, whole families, people that Try and do Christianity without the power of the Holy Spirit. And I'm here to tell you today, Christianity, the Christian walk, it is impossible to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, don't even bother, don't even try. Go wait in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. The power is the key that unlocks the purpose that God has for your life. And I'm hoping that our church, Awakening Church, It is more than a spiritual social club, but that we are a people united under the blood of Jesus with a living witness and a massive impact that we are the kind of church that Jesus promised, powered by the Holy Spirit. You say amen? And let that be said of us. Lord Jesus, right now we ask you to come speak to us, God. I pray, God, that you give us a greater revelation of your Holy Spirit and a fresh touch by your Holy Spirit. And if there's anyone in this place that has not received the Holy Spirit, may today be the day in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, all God's people said, amen. Amen. Jesus is in this verse, Acts 1-8, Jesus has resurrected. He has revealed himself to his disciples, spent many days with them. They've seen him. They've talked with him. They've received the Great Commission in Galilee. And now he's walked with them all the way to Jerusalem, and he is about to ascend. And the, the, the ministry now is kind of handed over. The baton is handed over to the disciples to continue the work of the Almighty. And, 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 and right before the ascension of God, which the disciples see happen with their own eyes. And, and I always found, I didn't read this verse, but I always find it funny that they see Jesus lifted up in front of them and they're staring into the heavens because 
They just saw Jesus lifted up in front of them. And the angels show up and they say, men of Galilee, what are you looking at? And it's like, someone just flew. What do you mean, what am I looking at? You know, I always thought that was pretty funny. They're, they're about to see Jesus ascend into heaven. And Jesus leaves them with this statement. And it's a prophetic statement. It's about what is to come for them and for the church. And I think you and I are even included in this statement. He says, you will, be, you will receive power, be my witnesses. And he begins in Jerusalem. That's where they are. Because the Holy Spirit's impact always begins right where you are. Right where you are. Your immediate vicinity. Your life, your mind, your heart, your emotions, your family, your children, your house. And it, and it begins to move in concentric circles. But it always begins right where you are. And, and Jesus says, you will be my witnesses right where you are, but then it continues on and says into the end of the earth. And that could be taken two ways. One, that, it will, that, that the Holy Spirit will empower witnesses so that they go everywhere, but it also has within it the end of time. You and I are included in this prophetic statement that Jesus is saying because we're a part of the end of the earth. We're not from Jerusalem, Judea, or Samaria. We are a part of the end of the earth. And this is like this prophetic. And if you, you don't know what prophetic means, it means like this future statement, this power statement, this statement from God himself about the church. And held within this prophetic statement are three powerful truths for every saint. And that's what I want to speak to you about today. Three powerful truths for every saint. The first is that power is promised. Power is the promise. But you will receive, say it with me, power. But you will receive power. You will receive power. Jesus is an empowerer. Before Jesus sent his disciples out, I don't know if you remember this, it's, it's in the book of Matthew chapter 10. Before Jesus sent his disciples out to to continue his ministry and proclaim the gospel when he was uh, here on earth, Bible says that he gave them authority. He sent them out two by two, but before he did that, he gave them authority for deliverance and for healing. Why? Because there is always divine resource, and there's always divine authority that follows a divine directive. God will never send you out to do something you are incapable of doing. God does not ask something of us that is impossible uh, for us, as long as we're united with the Holy Spirit. God doesn't ask for the impossible things. If God asks for it, it is possible, and he opens the way, and he opens the door. In fact, in that story, Jesus even tells his disciples, don't take any money, don't take any food, don't take an extra bag, don't take anything. Why? Because Jesus is saying, I'm gonna show you that my power is enough to provide for you, to protect you, and to bring deliverance through you. I mean, this is a holistic view of God's authority in every single area of their life. And Jesus sends them out, but he sends them out with what? With power, with authority. And you have to understand that his power makes all the difference. When Jesus is ascending, he says, you are gonna continue the work. It's even better for you that I go, but I'm gonna send another. But don't do a thing until you receive power from on high. And they waited days on end in prayer and in fasting until they received power because the Christian life is not possible without power. It's not possible without power. The things God has called you to do, you cannot read atomic habits, change your patterns, and get there. 
That will change your habits, but it won't bring power. You cannot take a form of stoicism. You cannot, you cannot um, uh, buy your way there. You, you, you cannot hope your way there. You cannot meditate your way there. You and I need power to accomplish whatever God has given us in our ministry. And again, you have a ministry. You're the priesthood of all believers. God has given you something to do. You, specifically you. And God has power specifically for you to accomplish it, and it makes all the difference. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You imagine in your mind a large factory that is darkened. It is without electricity. If you can see it, there's the conveyor belt. There's the giant cars being built. Let's call it a Tesla factory because that's ironic. It has no power. And, and, um, and, and you can see the machines that are there. Maybe even the people are all there. But unless the power grid is working and unless the building is on, it's not functional. In other words, it could have every other thing. It could have the resource. It could have the ability. It could have people. It could have stuff in place. But it needs power in order to function. It needs power in order to produce. And so you and I must be connected to the electrical grid of heaven in order to produce fruitfulness in our lives. And that's why God gives us power. It's not for feels, it's for function. It's not for phenomenal church services, although that's good. It's for function. It's for production. It's for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. That's why the Holy Spirit gives us power. I would hate for us to boil down the power of God to Sunday morning, a great conference, a prayer night. The power of God is actually purposeful. It's powerful, but it's purposeful. And you desperately need, you desperately need the power of God. You cannot follow Jesus unless you are empowered by the Spirit. I'm just telling you. You might be able to go to church for a couple months. You may be able to do a couple good things. You might be able to get the religious text. But to follow through on the Christian walk, you need the Holy Spirit. Because you need power. You need power in order to accomplish all that the Father has given you to do. My, my, I recently brought my kids to the Mario movie. Of course I have. They've been begging me. And so they broke me, and I, I, uh, I brought them. I enjoyed it. It was good. I'm, I mean, it's making a billion dollars. I'm happy for them, you know? I think it proves that if you don't try and, like, preach to our kids and indoctrinate them, we'll take them to the movies. It's a simple formula, you know? And so it was good. It was fine. Afterwards, on the way home, you know what would ha what happen. My, my, my kids were begging, begging for the Mario Kart game, you know? And I don't know where I stand on video games yet, to be honest. You know, I had them. They almost ruined my life, so I'm... I'm I'm not sure about where I stand with my kids. And so, you know, but they're begging. And so we decided, all right, we'll buy you uh, Mario Kart, but we'll buy you the track, the actual physical track with little RC cars, you know? And, and you know, you get the little power-ups. Remember, you get the little stars, but they're actually little hanging things, and you hit them. And brr. Anyways, it's, it's like this whole little setup. And, um, and so they were excited, you know, waiting for the Amazon truck to come. It was like Christmas morning. They get it, set it up with their mom. I'm studying yesterday, and they're, they're excited, and, and I hear all the noise and all the excitement, and, and my son walks into my study and says, hey, Dad, we need your help. We've searched everywhere, and we don't have the special batteries that the Mario Kart track needs. We've searched in every bin. We've searched upstairs, downstairs. Dad, we can't find them. We failed. And I said, 
and your failure has brought you back to me. <laughs> and he goes, Dad, I need for you, please, to go get batteries. But I said, son, I'm in my study. I'm spending time with the Lord. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I said, all right. So I, I went out to CVS. I got the batteries and, and, and gave it to him. And, and um, you know, it wasn't until the batteries were plugged in that the cars began to work, you know? They, they had it all. They had the track. They had the stickers. They had the setup. They had all this stuff. But until they had the power in the proper place, you need the power in the proper place. And here's the thing. Only the Father can give you the power. Only the Father. The Father has the authority. The Father's got the connections. The Father's got the resource. It's got to be Dad. And that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, look, I went for three days, and I got the power, and I brought it back, and I'm giving it to my children so that you can fulfill your function, so that you can become all that I've planned for you to be. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. His power powers it all. His power powers the church. The salvations that happen every Sunday is because of his power. The, 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 the worship that goes out, the healings that happen, it's all because of the power of the Lord. And God did not, did not, does not, make us into weak, wishy-washy, unsure, fearful Christians. He gives us power that we might be bold in our witness, not timid in our approach. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. All the help that happens in this church, everything we do with We Heart Lives, and you've heard me say this, it is not powered by money. It is not powered by people. It is powered by the effective work of the Holy Spirit. It's because of the Holy Spirit that everything is happening in this church over the last 30 years. This building went up because of the power of the Holy Spirit. That building went up because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Everything that happens, the altars are filled because of the power of the Holy Spirit. People are changed because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Campus is launched because of the power of the Holy Spirit. Minds changed, families made whole because of the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives it to us, and when it gets plugged into his church in our lives, everything comes alive. Power is the promise. But the second truth that you have to know from this prophetic statement, the second powerful truth is this, that the Spirit is the source. The Spirit is the source. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, that's what Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit, you will receive power when, not if, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If you are a disciple, it's only a matter of time. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That is God's design. Do you remember when David was made king? He was anointed by Samuel, showed up. Samuel thought it was going to be all the brothers, but it wasn't. It was the young man who had neither stature nor influence, pulled in from the backfield. He anoints his horn, with a horn of oil on his head. But the Bible says, and in that moment, when the oil touched him, the spirit rushed on him. Bible actually says the spirit left Saul and rushed on David. You know what's interesting? Saul was still the king at that time. But see, it's not position that brings power. It's the spirit that brings power. And soon after that moment, he kills Goliath. 
Why? Because he's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He survives assassination attempts by Saul. He survives war. He survives famine. He survives difficulty. Why? He's empowered by the Holy Spirit. And thank God the power of the Holy Spirit doesn't just help when you are on top. It helps when you are in the valley. When he was anointed, when he was appointed, he was anointed. When he was chosen, he was empowered. And so too with you. God has chosen you and you have to receive. You have to ask, you have to seek, you have to want, and you have to receive the Holy Spirit because you are called to be kingly. You are called to walk in anointing. You are called to walk in a purpose. You are a David, not a Saul. Please hear me. You are a David, not a Saul. Saul's a picture of the flesh. Saul's the picture of doing it on your own. Saul's the picture of crowdfunding leadership, doing what everyone else thinks. And God says, I'm not going to bless it. But you say, well, everyone chose it. I'm not going to bless it. I'm going to go to the backfield, the middle of nowhere. I'm going to choose whom I choose, but I'm going to anoint who I appoint. If you're appointed, know this, you'll be anointed. The Holy Spirit will come upon you that you will fulfill your purpose. And when the Holy Spirit empowers you, the Holy Spirit empowers your prayer. When you receive the Holy Spirit, hear me, you will pray differently. The Holy Spirit empowers your discernment. Man, that's a big one. I don't know why I'm sensing this, but I'm sensing this. I don't have evidence. I don't have facts, but I will not ignore the whisper of the Holy Spirit. The more I trust the Holy Spirit, the more I pray in the Spirit, the more I get to know the Holy Spirit, the more he will give me discernment about people in my life, the more he'll give me discernment about positions in my life, the more he'll give me discernment about areas of my life, the more he'll give me discernment about decisions in my life. The Holy Spirit will empower you with wise decision-making. Come on, that's big. That's big. Because your wise decisions, though small, will begin to compound and will live to a radically different life. Why? Because you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You're not that smart. You're just led by the Holy Spirit. That Spirit empowers prayer, discernment, wise decision-making. But see, the problem is, so many times, mankind searches for an alternative source of power for their soul. Just, just, just like just like worldwide right now, there is a worldwide search for alternative fuels, an alternative source of power, eco-friendly, long-lasting. So there is a search that, and that may be good, but there is a search that is not good where we try and say, we know what the Holy Spirit will enable, wise decision-making. It will enable us to, 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 to grow. It will enable us to accomplish. It will enable us to function. But so many times Christian can slip into an alternative source. We believe God, but we think money will empower us in the way we need. You hear it being said, if I had money, I would bless the church. You can bless the church without money. Oh, if I got rich, I could invest into the church. You can invest in the church without being rich. You, you, you know that all that tells me? That tells me that you think money is a greater source than the Holy Spirit. A Holy Spirit-empowered believer is untouchable compared to any other powered believer. Don't, don't search out an alternative source. Don't get embedded with an alternative source of power. The Spirit is the only source. The Spirit is the only source. Spiritualism, superstition, um, political influence, connections. 
Maybe those are all good, but they are absolutely incomparable to the power that comes from a Holy Spirit-driven life. You will be my witnesses when you receive the Holy Spirit. There is no alternative on, in heaven and or, or on earth. There is no alternative to the power of the Holy Spirit. You've got to receive it. You've got to know him. You've got to walk. You've got to commune with him because the Holy Spirit will enable the full Christian life. Are you with me, church? It, 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 it drives all things. When Paul came to the church of Corinth, and if you know anything about the church of Corinth, they were messed up. They were a lot like, I really like the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians because I feel like if there was any letter that was going to be written to the American church, it would be 1 and 2 Corinthians. They were, they were radically messed up. And you know what Paul said to them in 1 Corinthians 2.4? He says, when I came to you, I did not come with, uh, with my speech and my message. They were not implausible words of wisdom, man's wisdom, but they were in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Paul's saying, I did not come with phenomenal oration. I didn't come with incredible uh, um, design. I didn't come as a power speaker. I just came and I brought the Holy Spirit and his power. That's enough. And that's what the church desperately needs. They need the Holy Spirit and they need power. You need the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's power. And, and we need a demonstration of it. We don't want to just believe it theoretically. We want to see it with our own eyes. The Spirit is the source. Spirit is the source of strength. The Spirit is the source of wisdom. Spirit is the source of holiness, righteousness. It's the source of a Christian life. Do you remember the story of Simon the sorcerer? Acts chapter 8. Philip went to Samaria and he found a, a great man there that was esteemed by all the people. And he was a sorcerer, a, a magician. He, he worked in dark arts. And he got saved along with many people in Samaria. And and so they sent Peter and John down there to, to begin to bring structure to it. And, and when they showed up, they realized that people had been saved, but they had not received the power of the Holy Spirit. So they laid hands on people that they would receive the Holy Spirit. You say, what happens at the altar every Sunday? We lay hands on people so that they would be healed, that they would be changed, and that they would receive the Holy Spirit. Because the book of Acts is still being written today. And so they showed up and they began to anoint people. When they laid their hands on them, the Holy Spirit came down on them. Well, Simon the sorcerer saw this. And he says to Peter and John, let me give you money so that you can give me this power. He was trying to buy the power of the Holy Spirit. He thought money was the source. He thought, he, he, he thought if he could get it, he could gain influence. He could gain vanity. He could get back to the position he lost when he got saved, esteemed by all the people. Please hear me. He didn't want the spirit. He wanted the power. And I know this is an interesting point, but I'm going to say it because I want to put it in the water of our church. We do not want the spirit for status. We do not want the spirit to be highly esteemed. We do not want the spirit for our own vanity, our own pride, or people can say things like, oh, look at when they pray, or look at their faith, or look at their ability, or look at their, because that's why he wanted the power but he didn't want the spirit. Hear me, the spirit is the source of the power, but the power is second to the spirit. The spirit is what we desire. The spirit is what we need. The spirit is our breath. The spirit is our blood. The spirit is our water. The spirit is what we desperately want. And I, I want you to beware, 
church. Beware people that want the power but don't want to live the life of following the Holy Spirit into righteousness, into repentance, into forgiveness. And I'm going to give you a warning that there are many, many churches and many people that are, are, are concerned, even many pastors, that, that might be concerned with the status that comes with power, the money that comes with the power, the influence that comes with the power. And they are on TikTok and they are on YouTube and they speak with boldness and brevity and, and sharpness. And you say, wow, look at that guy. But can I tell you, the Spirit le leads you into a humble normal, powerful life. And you have to be on guard for wolves that want the influence that comes with the Holy Spirit, but not, to, not the leading that comes with the Holy Spirit. I pray we do not seek out the Spirit for position. We don't serve in the A-team for position. We don't serve for pats on the backs. We don't serve for recognition. We serve because we've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. We've been forgiven, and God, all of it's yours now. This man got that wrong. This man tried to use the Holy Spirit instead of being used by the Holy Spirit. And Peter said, <laughs> well, you know, Peter. Peter said, absolutely not. He rebuked him, and he said, may your money perish with you. He not only condemned his money, he condemned his life. He says, you are absolutely wrong. And, I, and, and, and what you thought could buy the Holy Spirit, that's gonna die, and you're gonna die, because the Holy Spirit will not be bought we will not be devalued and demeaned. Now, you have to understand the power is the promise. The spirit is the source, but the power has a purpose. The power has a purpose. And it's not, I want to say this correctly, it's not for the person, it's for the people. You know, the, the power has a purpose. It's not for vanity. It's not for pride. It's not for position. It's for, for people. It's for, it's for, it's for, it's for a holy leading. Well, what, what, what am I saying? I'm saying that the power of the Holy Spirit is to get you into heaven and to have you have as big of an impact along the way. It has a function. And, 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 that, and that brings me to my third point. The, the witness is the purpose. The power is the promise. The Spirit is the source. But the witness is the purpose. This is why God gives us the Holy Spirit. Spoke to you much today about why, what the Holy Spirit isn't. Well, this is what it is. You will be, Jesus says, my witnesses. And we see Peter fulfill this. I mean, just like just a couple verses later, the Holy Spirit falls on the, the disciples in the upper room and, and Peter stands up and he preaches his first sermon, the first sermon of uh, of the early church. And do you remember what he said over and over? He says, and he says, this Jesus was raised from the dead. And of this, we are all witnesses. He says, I, I've seen it with my own eyes. We are all witnesses. So, so the purpose of the power and, and the purpose of the spirit is that you will be a witness that you could say, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it. Like you could stand up in the courtroom of heaven. You could swear on the word and say, this is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've experienced. And your witness cannot be denied. And so my question for you today is, what have you witnessed? What have you witnessed about the power of the Holy Spirit? What have you witnessed in salvation? What have you seen? What is your story? Because your story is very powerful. And your testimony, 
Your testimony, it's a seed that can become faith for someone else. Jesus says, go and represent me. Be my witnesses and tell people about what you've seen and heard. So in the first sermon, what does Peter do? Does he break down Isaiah? Does he, does he show doctrine? No, he just says, this is what I've seen. So if, if you were saying, I don't know how to fulfill the Great Commission because I don't know how to preach, here it is. This is how you preach. This is what I've witnessed. What have you witnessed? What have you seen in your life? Where were you when Jesus found you? Or your family, your spouse? What have you seen God do with your children? What have you seen God do in this church? What have you seen him do with the crew members around you? Because your story is powerful and your story can become the seed that awakens faith in someone else. Young woman came up to me at, at the end of service at the altar last week and she, she asked me to uh, tell my wife about a praise report. She was saying that her eyes, she had a condition on her eyes that was very painful and very difficult for a year. She said she tried everything, makeup and, and to cover it and to do different things to kind of get, get rid of it, doctors. And she said nothing could happen, but she came down and spoke to my wife down at the altar. And Samantha told her a story of when she was healed miraculously. And, and so that story birthed faith for prayer. This is how it works. So they prayed together and this young woman came back the next week. She said, after a year of suffering from this, look at my eyes, I'm miraculously healed. This is how God works. This is how God works. And, 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 and your, your, story is, your story is part of the, of, the, uh, of the priming of the pump that pulls forth faith for the Holy Spirit to move. Don't hold back your story. No matter how small, Bible says, Jesus says, that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. It doesn't take a whole lot for your witness to have great impact. There's a story of a famous evangelist, and, uh, and he, he felt that God spoke to him one day when he was preparing for service and he felt God said, I'm gonna heal someone tonight. And so he, he gets up there, he preaches and he says, I feel God is gonna heal someone today. And, and, and when he was up there, he felt the Holy Spirit say, I'm healing someone of warts. And so he's like, all right. So he said it and the whole place laughed at him, you know, cause that's kind of an odd thing to be healed of, you know, and it's kind of maybe silly or foolish, you know, seemingly. And so he said it and of course no one raised their hand. But afterwards, this young woman walked up to him and she said that she had a warts on the bottom of her feet that was so horrifically painful she couldn't walk and she was holding them in her hands. They fell off. Isn't that crazy? So this evangelist, that's his first healing ever. This evangelist takes this story of healing and he travels around the world for the next 20 years, integrates it into his testimony. When he goes to Africa, when he goes to Norway, when he goes all over Europe, when he goes to South America, he tells the story about his first healing where this young woman was healed of warts. But you know what was so powerful? In all those meetings, people were healed of incredible things, things that we would put on the scale of a 10, not a two. But you know what's so powerful about that is, is that, first, that first little story, almost even the foolish things of the world, it, 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 it was used by God to birth enough faith for massive healings. It, worldwide healings. Sometimes the smallest keys unlock the largest doors. And the enemy would want to say to you, you know, 
Your story is foolish or it's small or it's no big deal. He would want to shame you into silence because he knows the words of the saints are powerful. They have the power of revival. They have the power of creation. They have got the power of healing. The words are powerful. And so Satan can't stop your testimony. The only thing he can do is trying to stop you from sharing your testimony, sharing what God's done. So he tries to shame you and mock you and make fun of you and belittle you and say, that's no big deal. But please hear me. There is no small stories when it comes to the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as a... There's no such thing as a, as a tiny testimony. Revelation 12, 11 says, they have conquered Satan by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives even unto death. Your testimony unlocks victory. Witness is the purpose. And the enemy would do anything to keep you silent because the power of awakening is in your words. You overcome by the blood of the lamb. We're not doing this on our own. It's not by our own might. It's not by our own power. It's not by our own strength. It's by his spirit. It is the blood of the lamb. But God says, but come up here and tell your story. Tell your testimony. And that creates, it creates victory. And so Jesus says, we are called to be witnesses. Much of this I've spoken about is about witnessing, telling your story. But before I end, I want, to, I want to speak to you about living as a witness. Witness is more than, more than telling your story. That's, that's good, and that's the first step. But witness is being a living testimony. So telling your testimony is powerful, and you should know it, and you should have it written down, and you should be able to be ready in season and out of season. Telling your testimony. But even more powerful than that, being a witness is being a living testimony. You've heard it said that, yeah, you are, for many of you, the only Bible anyone will ever read is your life. You are a living witness. And your whole life should be a living witness to the goodness of God, for the glory of God. And so, so the question I would, I would ask you to ask is how can my life bear witness? How can my life bear witness to God's goodness, to God's faithfulness, to God's greatness, His glory, how can my life bear witness? Now, I'm going to give you three ways really quickly. <clears throat> and we're going to pray. We're going to close. And we're going to run in the rain. <clears throat> and I need for you to pray for my voice because this is sermon one. And there's two more to come. But it's all right. I've got power. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got the power. <laughs> How can my life bear witness? The first the first way your life can bear witness by the power of the Holy Spirit is, what, number one, live radically different. Live radically different. Go to church, get that part down. Get married, have kids, get sober. Not necessarily in that order. Do the things that are falling out of trend in the world have different values, make different decisions, live a radically different life. And let me add to that, unashamedly. Don't apologize. Don't back down. Look, I'm empowered. 
I'm empowered by the Spirit. Empowered means you're going to be bold. Empowered means you're not going to follow the crowd. Empowered means you're going to be different. Stand out and never back down from it. I'm building my life on the rock. And everyone says, look, but it's clear skies. I'm not building for today. I'm building for tomorrow. Live radically different. Live radically unashamed. Be in the world, but do not be of the world. As Jesus was not of the world. How can your life bear witness? Number two, live to serve. Serve God's house. Serve your spouse. Serve. I could save marriages right now. Are you ready? I'm going to give you, I don't know, $2,000 free counseling. Ready? <laughs> Instead of focusing always on what you don't like about your spouse, determine yourself to serve your spouse. See if that won't change the culture and context of your home. Serve. Don't look to get out of things. And this is especially with like younger couples. Don't, don't always be looking to get out of things. Look to, to lean in. Where can I find the opportunity to help? Here's the magic phrase. Do you need any help? Now, we don't ask that because they always need help. But I'm telling you, this will change. Serve your children. They're not a nuisance. They're not a bother. They're not annoying. Serve your children. Love them. Give them your present. Your presence. That means you're not just there, but you're all there. Live to serve. Help your neighbor. If you, got a, if you got a truck, help somebody move. Don't pretend you don't have that truck. Check in on a friend. If you think of someone, if you think of someone randomly, I want you to know that's the Holy Spirit. Pray for them. Check in on them. Go visit your grandma. Like, you think, no, 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 no. I'm empowered to lead. I'm, I'm crusades in Africa. A million people. No, it's a very normal Christian life. Visit your grandmother, pray for her. Bring her some chocolate. She probably can't eat it, so you can eat the chocolate. <laughs> pray for those around you. Pray for your pastor. Pray, pray for your spouse. Pray for your friends. We are most like Christ when we serve. He came to serve. And the Holy Spirit which is our leading, he will give you both the opportunity and the conviction to serve. He'll open the door and say, this is what I'm talking about. Now's the moment. Don't ignore that. Don't ignore that. Because if you continually ignore the voice and the opportunity of the Holy Spirit, he'll stop speaking and he'll stop opening doors. Don't ignore that voice of the Holy Spirit. Now say, this is the moment where I'm going to bear witness. Lord, let me lean in and let me serve. I'm going to add one more thing to this. It will never come at the opportunity where you feel ready to serve. I'm primed up. I'm ready to go. I just got out of church, yelled at someone in the parking lot. Let's serve. <laughs> it will never come when you feel ready. Serving is sacrifice. It's death of self. Your emotions will be drained. You'll be tired. You'll have excuses. You'll be frustrated. That's when the Holy Spirit says, hey, okay, now here's, here, here I am. Here's the moment. And that's true servanthood is denying yourself. But I'll tell you, in those moments, you will be fulfilled. You will be fulfilled because it's the way the Holy Spirit works. And the last way to bear witness is live to please God. Just live to please God. Let that be your aim. Let that be your, your, your life's goal. Speak to him. Speak to him. Ask his opinion on things. You know, read his letters to you. Follow his advice. 
like any relationship, apologize when you're wrong. God wants to have a real relationship with you. Live to please him. Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Billy Graham puts it this way. He says, be a good witness by the way you live. The way we live is often more convincing than the words we say. So our witness isn't just our story. It's our life being a living testimony. And then what's, what's the promise of that, Jesus says, and, and then it will go in concentric, ever-widening circles from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. I pray your life has an ever-widening impact. I pray this church has an ever-widening impact. I don't want to get smaller and smaller in my mind, heart and soul. I want my world to get larger and larger. I pray your life goes from glory to glory, from grace to grace, brighter and brighter, more effective, more impacting, more influential. And when I say influence, I don't mean it in the, in the, the, like the modern terms. When I say influence, I mean it like more responsibility, more effectiveness, more stewardship. I pray your life grows in every measurable by the power of the Holy Spirit for his glory. That you'd be faithful to follow Jesus. You'd be empowered by his spirit. That your witness will have an ever-widening impact on planet Earth. Can you say amen? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.